0: This podcast is proudly sponsored by Virtuous. Now, giving is a very deeply personal thing, and they believe that your fundraising should be too. This is actually something we talk about a lot on this very podcast in terms of how can we grow, improve, and optimize giving and generosity. So traditional impersonal fundraising tactics often alienate donors and create a distance between them and the impact that they want to have. Virtuous is the only responsive fundraising platform designed to help nonprofit teams build better donor relationships with all of their donors and I have to say, I think it's a great product. I've referred multiple nonprofits and charities over there in the past and continue to do so in the future because I believe in the people and the product, and I just think it's a really good modern piece of fundraising-focused software. So I recommend you check it out. And if you are interested in finding out more, you can go to virtuous.org generosity. That is virtuous, V-I-R-T-U-O-U-S sorg generosity.
1: Welcome, I am Riley Lindenberger, and in today's episode, Brady talks to Darrell Booker, corporate affairs specialist at Microsoft. This episode is extremely powerful as Darrell and Brady tackle some tough topics and discuss a new program at Microsoft, which is the nonprofit tech acceleration for Black and African American communities. You'll get to hear Darrell's take on something he calls technical debt. Um, You'll hear him talk about digital transformation and implementing new technologies, and the progress that has taken place in the nonprofit space in the past year with COVID and the movement against racial injustice. Another thing I found extremely powerful as I listened to this conversation was something Jarrell said about defining success at a community level. Oftentimes, I think we get too caught up in what others are doing, what the rest of society looks like and what we expect things to turn out to be. But truly your organization's success is only defined by the positive impact it is having on a specific community. So whether that is helping one person or one million people or pets or whatever else it might be, your work truly matters. And I just think that is such a sweet reminder. So I really hope you enjoy this one and I will hand things on over to Brady.
0: Hi, Darrell. Thanks for coming on the pod. Thanks for having me. All right. So I watched one of your recent talks and uh, someone called you a computer person with a mission. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool. I think that's <laughs> a, a pretty simple way to understand it. But can you unpack that? What does it mean to be a, a computer person with a mission and how'd you end up there?
2: Wow. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think definitely for me, it's just definitely, you know, using those skills just to be able to uh help others and and figure out, you know, uh, how those apply to, you know, what they need and, and, and how can I, you know, be that, that knowledge of experience, um, to get them out of their pickle or, uh, innovate or advance for them. And, you know, if I think of how I got here is, um, I was telling someone that I think maybe about 10, 15 years ago, I kind of, came to terms and okay with that maybe I was put on this earth just essentially to help people, hmm. um, and, and make sure that, you know, whatever those, that those skills and those knowledge that I possess. And, you know, if you know, having a conversation with someone or, you know, showing you through my experiences or et cetera, get you to where you need to be. Uh, I am a-okay with that. Uh, it actually kind of brings a lot of joy to me. So, uh, you know, that, that's kind of what I think of when I, when I hear that phrase computer person with a (laughs) mission.
0: And what about the the computer person? Is that something that you've just been interested in and fascinated with since you were a kid or like, where did that kind of passion and interest come from?
2: Wow. Um, I mean, yeah. So at an early age, I I probably want to say, I don't know, maybe 14. I don't know why that's sticking in my head. I think it might've been just, just, just a little bit earlier. Um, there's a lot of things in, in, in my childhood that kind of led me to, uh, uh, you know, being alone. Um, hmm. and, and with that said, um, I do remember, uh, that day, uh, my, my dad brought a computer, hmm. uh, showing my age, I think it was a 286 something <laughs> or other. <laughs> um, and, you know, tinkering around with it, you know, didn't really have a lot of friends like that, so I wasn't going outside. Like you know, kind of thinking of like summertime. Like summertime is like you go and you be outside and you explore. And uh, I, w- I was pretty much in the house. Uh, also grew up in Richmond, Virginia, where summers are brutal and humid, <laughs> so it wasn't that real desire to go out during the day. Um, right. my dad was definitely one of those types that uh, you didn't mess with this stuff. You had to leave it alone. So I was messing with the computer and at that time thinking I'm like breaking it, but I'm really Mm -hmm. like doing stuff. Like I'm (laughs) typing DOS commands and I'm doing (laughs) that, connecting to these, uh, what do you call those BB things? But prior to the internet, I forgot what the dial up and you would connect and all those things. So uh, just immediately it just kind of piqued my interest Hmm. of, you know, there's like a device that I can, you know, put commands in and it does stuff. So yeah. uh that's literally where it started.
0: That's cool. I always love hearing people's kind of, you know, origin stories necessarily or something, you know, like where did it all start? Because it's rarely like, oh, I went to college and said I want to do this. You know, it's normally <laughs> something a little less, uh, you know, linear, a little less. Uh, it starts earlier and it's more of a, like an accident or something kind of that's yeah. curious, you know. exactly. Exactly. Cool. All right. So, if someone calls you a computer person with a mission, you often call yourself a technology strategist. Um, yeah. W- what does that mean to be a technology strategist, and what do you do to help organizations, nonprofits specifically?
2: Yeah, I mean it is, especially when you think of nonprofits, but also too, you know, when it extends to startups, young entrepreneurs, small businesses, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and even to some degree, you know, as you get to larger corporation and 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 enterprise is. Um, Filling that gap from that lack of that, you know, technical person that's really needed Uh, when Mm. going back to nonprofits. uh, So many of them build those organizations straight out of just passion. Mm. Um, And they literally just start doing the work. Right. So uh, no one sits down you know, and says, oh, let's, let's, let's build out our org chart. And, (laughs) you know, (laughs) we need this person and we, they just start doing, and, uh, you know, before they know it, they're, they're knee deep in tech or, or, or not using tech like they're supposed to. Uh, But oftentimes, you know, so many of these organizations, you know, especially nowadays, you, when you're using tech at accelerated level in your personal life from mm. your phones, to your devices, your smart TVs, to all these things. And you're just seeing all this automation around you. It's very easy now for people to realize once they get to their day job that wait a minute, this isn't right. Mm. I, sh- this- I should be more efficient than this. Right. Like, You know what I mean? So then they start to wonder what are the possibilities, mm. um, and and you know, kind of as that tech strategist, you're you're coming in and and helping them evaluate where they are, where those gaps are, and really helping them put you know, kind of that that plan together, whether it's a particular project or you know, a, a overall long term vision, um, in in filling that you know role of maybe what a CTO may be, uh, but just hmm. in those in those brief moments. Uh, those moments of time where you can come in, kind of right the ship. Mm. Uh, I kind of uh, also kind of uh, compare it to like those restaurant shows where like uh, they know nothing and they show up and your restaurant's a hot mess. And then like, <laughs> you know, they work with you in 24, 48 hours. And then it's like, okay, you know, yeah. people actually can eat out of here. Uh, yeah. That that That's kind of what I, you know, I liken it to.
0: So one of those shows, Restaurant Impossible is actually one of the shows that my my (laughs) wife and I love. And actually, because of that, I've had the idea of doing like Nonprofit Impossible, where you you basically do that, you know, get a team and be like, look, 48 hours. We're going to come in and here's the things that you need, you know, tools, technology, messaging, like you could do so much in a 48 hour turnaround, right?
2: So, so much. And then, you know, if you take what you did, so basically I think you just figured out a way we're going to build a business together. So call, <laughs> yeah, me, in. Like <laughs> call me in on the, on the technical part. And, and you know, we, we, that's why I come in with sit, sit down with them and, you know, whiteboard, like, you know, all right, tell me what you're doing now and what are your processes and, you know, what are your bottlenecks and how are you getting this to that? Uh, You know, how are you thinking about your data? Are you using it like you're supposed to? How are you doing your reporting? How are you measuring your impact? And then really, you know, can really, like you said, really quickly, almost like in a a 48 hours, come up with that plan of attack and, you know, kind of leave someone with that plan get them started, and then even being able to tell them, here's, you know, here's the other people that can help you along the way. If it, if it isn't me, yeah. you know, just follow this blueprint and right. you know, you'll be fine.
0: Right. Okay. So there you go. Netflix special, nonprofit, impossible 2022.
2: There you go. There you go. Uh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, you know, one of the things when I was reading through kind of like your site and the work that you do, you talk about technical debt, you, know, you help eliminate technical debt, and that concept just—I love that concept. I don't know entirely what it means, but I like the concept. Can you unpack that? Like, what is technical debt, and and again, what does that look like for nonprofits?
2: Oh uh, man, so it, technical debt—just think of it as you know uh, all the BS that someone did ahead of time <laughs> that that prevents you from growing, scaling, mm-hmm. and doing more. Um, that, is, that, is, that is technical debt. And uh, so many times, you know, especially for, for organizations like nonprofits where uh, but back to not having the proper tech people, et cetera, and, you know, they get a, a friend's nephew to work on something or, you know, they outsource to the wrong person. Uh, And and you you just get to this hodgepodge of mess Mm. that really, really puts you in those weird spots a lot of time that you either got to stick with it Mm -hmm. or you got to spend a lot of money uh, uh, yeah, to to, to, kind of move away from it and and start from scratch. So uh, one of the things that that I really like to preach to organizations is it's painful, Mm. but you got to eliminate that first. Right you know you 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 can't keep palling on to the mess hmm. because you will never get to where you want to be. It's gonna cost you more uh, so you you, you got to do that. Yeah. so yeah, so so that's that's you know that that is a concept of you know eliminating all of that technical debt. and also, you know one of the things is too, kind of saying on the on the other side is when I have the opportunity to maybe work with someone fresh, is going into everything, uh, you know, avoiding, you know, kind of technical debt. And, and yeah. that's just really using, you know, best practices. And, uh, you know, my my other mantra is build for the future, not the now. Mm. So really, as you're going in and you're, you know, you're setting up foundational elements when it comes to technology, uh, really, you know, having that kind of crystal ball into your future, mm. you know. And and kind of knowing where things possibly will go, um, and laying those those things at that point. So, like I said, you can scale, you can grow, um, and and be at you know debt zero.
0: Yeah, I love that uh, uh kind of analogy of technical debt and just thinking about like when you're in debt, you know, you're paying interest just to keep up. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing, right? If you've got bad tech stack and it's antiquated, like you're paying a tax or interest just to kind of stay afloat, let alone get ahead. And it's suffocating. Yeah. Right. So
2: very,
1: that's such very a, suffocant.
0: such a cool, uh, you know, comparable analogy and, and term, <laughs> I might have to use that more It's technical debt. I'll, I'll give Feel you credit, free. but I like, it. <laughs> <laughs> um, are there any kind of like, um, more common areas of technical debt that you see? Is it, is it like based on the tool selection? Is it, you know, knowledge or, you know, do you see common patterns or does it just really vary from person to person, org to org?
2: Um, I think it, I think it, I think it very much varies. You know, I think one thing is, you know, lack of, lack of technology, you really don't have that debt. Uh, You see it a lot of time when there is uh, a lot of just custom programming, custom development. Mm. That's where it usually Mm -hmm. uh, comes into play. If someone's using a bunch of off the shelf and SaaS products and, you know, they they have some processes built in with those. Those are usually just human processes. Like, right. No, dude, stop you and doing it that way. Use this tool. And that, that, that's relatively easy. Uh, the that technical that is usually come when you know uh, custom actually code. You know, uh, bad database design schema. Yeah. Um, you know, those type of things.
0: Yeah. No, that that's a really good point. I remember I was consulting with uh, It was a really large organization up in in Canada. I was running some of the direct response direct mail. Mm-hmm. And they had a custom built, you know, CRM. And I remember the challenges trying to pull just like we needed a three month lead time to get a a list to figure out who we could actually mail to. It was just like what kind of, you know, this is like three years ago, four years ago. This is not, you know, like in the 80s or something crazy, you know, it's like how on earth are you supposed to be responsive to donors needs or understand or, you know, in today's society, like in today's world. If that's like the technology that you're using, and it the, and it was that custom piece that was crazy,
2: and and you know I, I I've seen quite a few, like you said, recently, to where it's so bad with that custom piece and it's so fragile, it's literally don't touch the source code. <laughs> right. Like you can't, you literally cannot because right. you can't if fix you it. do. Yeah, you can't fix it. Don't try to do anything. It is what it is, <laughs> and 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 that's when organizations are really in a bad spot.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Wow. Well, one thing that we haven't actually talked about too much is is you actually work for Microsoft, and uh, one of one of the many different things that you that you do at Microsoft is kind of pushing and kind of like leading the charge about racial equity in tech Mm -hmm. uh, from Microsoft. And one of the programs that uh, I was reading a bit about was the nonprofit Tech Acceleration for Black and African American communities. Uh, Can you just tell us what that program kind of is and like where it came from and kind of what it looks like? Because it sounds you know really interesting.
2: No, it's 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 very interesting. Uh, you know, I I think it's very important just to understand how it. Well, you know, the foundational elements, and then I'll tell you how it came about. Um, uh, you know, of course, Microsoft has a you know a, a, a philanthropy team. Um, you know, that has been, you know, donating to uh, organizations for a number of years, mm. uh, you know, providing uh, all types of grants and licenses and things of that sort. Um, and actually, when I joined Microsoft about three years ago, I joined a new division of that philanthropy it's called Tech for Social Impact, mm. uh, which was stood up as um uh, a, a global unit to support nonprofits on on a more holistic and scaled motion. Hmm. Um, you know, no different than you might can imagine at Microsoft, we have a dedicated education team and a right. dedicated healthcare team. Now there's that dedicated um, nonprofit team as Tech social hmm. impact. Um, and, uh, you know, for those first couple of years, we kind of laid that foundation for what we call digital transformation, mm-hmm. uh, working with nonprofit organization, uh, mostly a lot of the enterprise ones, uh, me myself, I was assigned a, a top hundred in the Americas. So, uh, I worked with the Gates foundations, United Way, salvation armies, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, helping them move to the cloud. A lot of mm-hmm. that is with those type of big organizations there's a lot of you know legacy you know data center migrations and things right. of that sort and and getting them to uh, something modernized um but if we if we fast forward to uh last, Ju- uh, last June uh um just after the killing of George Floyd mm. um our CEO put out uh, quite a few racial uh equity commitments that that Microsoft is going to make across you know many pillars Of the organization from, uh, you know, uh, kind of an HR standpoint or recruiting standpoint, work with more HBCUs, hiring more Blacks, more in leadership, um, you know, diversifying our suppliers and Mm. providing capital to minority owned banks um, to you know, working with Black-led skilling partners to uh, our Airband team looking to, you know, uh, help to bridge that digital divide with affordable broadband and affordable devices. Mm. Um, And uh, then uh, under Tech for Social Impact is uh, the nonprofit Tech Acceleration for Black and African-American communities, which is, you know, built upon that backbone of what we've been doing with supporting nonprofits, but Mm. now hyper-focused, uh, or nonprofits large or very small, uh, you know, small could be a small grassroots, community based nonprofits, you know, one little one little old elderly lady that maybe <laughs> is teaching coding classes to three kids. You know, it really doesn't matter. Hmm. Uh, just, you know, put a program together that can provide uh, that type of uh, intimate um, uh, support training um knowledge sharing and then also more importantly um literally direct access to a team of technical specialists that i put Hmm. together to help them activate you know all of the free licenses that we have for them but more importantly implement that technology and implementing whatever that said technology is so that they can have the greatest impact on their mission Hmm. um so, uh, you know, it's 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 something that is, you know, very much, you know, was needed uh, as we think of, you know, kind of the, uh, the black community and, uh, you know, the kind of the lack of technology and what I call, uh, you know, this opportunity is helping to level that playing field mm-hmm. in technology mm-hmm. um, so that they can have everything they need to be successful. And so what are,
0: what does that kind of program look like? Uh, or like, what are some of the goals, you know, is it to uh, raise up new, you know, black and African-American leaders of nonprofits? Is it to like, you know, level up the, the techno- technology, uh you know, knowledge, or like, how do you measure such a program? Cause it's, you know, the huge need, cool program, but how do you know you're successful basically in five years or three years? Like, what does that look like?
2: It's, 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 you know, uh, uh, and I remember these conversations and, you know, it's like, wow, like, this is like a huge undertaking. How do you know if you're successful? Like, Oh, what do you do? How do you measure it? It's really quite simple, Brady. <laughs> you want to know why? Yeah. Hey, If that little old lady that I just told you about say, you know what, By you just helping me to get on teams or do hmm. this? Now I can teach to two more students than I could before. Right. That's success, Brady. That that simply is success because you know what? One of those two kids could be our next this or our next that or our next whatever. Hands down, that is success. If we look across these, you know, every, you know, I I, I talk at community levels, not state, not city, at community levels Mm. across this country, you know, there are so many organizations doing what's best for their community. So. There's nothing that, you know, me as a Microsoft, you as Brady or as anybody else can define what is success for them. Success yeah. is what they tell us is, you know, success. So, uh, you know, as part of the work we're doing, you know, we're, we're staying in touch with them um, and, and you know, hearing directly from them uh, whether whether it's successful or not. So.
0: That's such a a great reminder too. Uh, Like sometimes we can get wrapped up in like, you know, what's the, what's the, what's the 10 year vision and, you know, like what's, (laughs) what are the, what are the KPIs and just that sense of like, look, if we can help that, that woman, you know, teach Mm -hmm. more people to code and then scale that. What about if this other, you know, man is teaching six girls to code, you know, or whatever like the program looks like, and then you stack all that up and, you know, it's maybe hard to measure. It's maybe hard to scale, but when you add it all up, it's, it's very, very, very significant. Very significant. Uh, and so that program was just launched in the, in the fall. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. Uh, uh, October one was, 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 the day that it launched. So, um, yeah. And, you know, we got a lot ahead of us. It's, you know, uh, the reception has been awesome. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, we know we're just really scratching the surface and getting started with, you know, the work we can be doing in the community.
1: This episode and podcast are proudly sponsored by Virtuous. Now, you've heard Brady talk about it with our guests before, but I wanted to remind you that giving to a cause is deeply personal and your fundraising should be too. Unfortunately, today's nonprofits are handcuffed to outdated fundraising models that reserve personal connections for a select few major donors. Instead of creating connection, Traditional impersonal tactics alienate your donors and create distance between the donor and their impact. Virtuous is the only responsive fundraising platform designed to help nonprofit teams build better donor relationships at scale. Responsive fundraising with Virtuous combines modern technology, data intelligence, and donor centric giving experiences to foster personalized conversations with every donor. Virtuous is more than just a CRM. They unify fundraising, marketing, and donor development activities, rating teams of redundant back-office tasks, and revealing the insights needed to deliver dynamic campaigns. And all of this happens in one place. You can turn data into deeper donor relationships and grow your fundraising with Virtuous. And to learn more about responsive fundraising with them, you can visit virtuous.org generosity. That's v i r t u o u s dot org slash generosity.
0: And maybe taking a, a step back more more broadly, and just kind of looking at you know like racial equity and racial mm-hmm. justice in the in the nonprofit space. Uh, you know, you mentioned the killing of George Floyd and the. Uh, all the outpouring and what that looks Mm -hmm. like and conversation around diversity, equity, inclusion. Like what do you see when you look at the nonprofit space from either, you know, Durrell or your work at Microsoft, but um, what are some of the changes taking place or some of the changes that need to continue to to kind of take place uh, for, for kind of more progress to be made in this, in this arena of philanthropy and and nonprofits?
2: Yeah. I'm glad you asked that. I think, you know, one of the things that I've seen is uh, not only if we take, you know, the, the just the attention to racial equity, but let's also, you know, if we get this pandemic that all you know all these things kind hmm. of collided in 2020. Right. And I first hand seen the number of new nonprofits that were born out of one of those two. Right. And with that said, you're 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 seeing, you know, uh you know new Leaders emerging, you know, they're like I said, they're right. they're 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 not the same nonprofit leaders that have been around for the while uh, right. for for so long. These are people who you know started a GoFundMe and then all of a sudden said, you know what, let's turn this into a real nonprofit. Right. Um, so with that said, one of the things that I think needs to happen uh, is we need you know this is a collective effort. So you mm. know. Microsoft can only do so much from a technology standpoint, and honestly, you know, uh, uh, you know, we're we're lucky to even have enough tools that can provide as much value as we can provide. You follow mm-hmm. what I'm getting that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, th- there's a lot that we can be able to offer, but uh, we're not able to be able to give these nonprofits everything they need from a capacity building standpoint. Um, so therefore, what I'm saying is, we really need the foundations, the donors across this country uh, to really, you know, kind of take a hard look, you know, at their their grantee portfolio mm. uh, and, you know, see where there can be some areas for, for improvement. And some of that is not um, holding against the nonprofit because you're new. Mm. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. our fault a pandemic came and therefore <laughs> someone spun up a nonprofit to help people. Like you know, follow what I'm getting at. And it's not yeah. our fault that uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, black men are dying, you know, um at you know at the hands of, of police. Like these things are happening, so people are reacting. So let's embrace those. Um let's also, as foundations, you know, not expect these nonprofits to be perfect. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're nonprofits doing. Philanthropic thing, humanitarian things. they're not you know a for-profit business that needs a a, a, a business plan and a growth plan and pro, projection revenues and mm. you know there's equity in there they're not them. why are we why are we holding mm. them to them type of standards in order to give them you know five thousand dollars so that they can have you know pay rent or hire the people that they need or right. here's the thing too have the technology that they need. Mm. You know, these days of only uh, wanting your funds to go to programming needs to stop. Mm. It it is the most idiotic thing ever. I Mm. want, I only want my money to go to buying meals. How you, how you handle logistics to get the meals (laughs) to them or how you do, I, I don't care. I only want my money to go to the actual food that you buy. Like I, I, that to me, that doesn't make any sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And what happens, Brady, is, you know, if you look at the stats, black led nonprofits receive unrestricted funds at a 76 percent smaller rate than white led Wow. So let's go back to what I said. Most most foundations only want to fund the program. Mm-hmm. Therefore, when you want money for technology, it has to come from. The times that you do get unrestricted funds,
0: Hmm.
2: but but black led ones only get those unrestricted at a much smaller rate. So how the heck are they going to be able to implement the technology that they need? So I'm calling I'm calling out all foundations (laughs) across the across the globe like we really need to take a hard look, you know. Uh, really, you know, come alongside not only the Microsoft, but you know, any other technology company, you know that that can bring the tools that they need, and let's really make sure that these nonprofits have what they need. Put this way, back to what I said: if you want them to, uh, you expect all of this from them as if they're this well all for-profit machine then set them up as if they were a for-profit machine. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Come in and make sure that they have the staffing that they need, the tools that they need, and all that they need to be successful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so great. Thank you for, for sharing all of that. I know, um, you know, the, the foundation world to a degree has been grappling and kind of pushed to do some of this for years, but not with the same sense of urgency and definitely not with the the understanding of how disproportionately affects black-led nonprofits and organizations, yeah. right? We all know multi-year grants, capacity building grants, um, helping pay salaries, operations, technology. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that actually grow and scale nonprofits. Everybody yeah. knows that. What's so crazy to me is, and to your point. Why foundation who want to see that too. They want to see nonprofits grow and scale. So why are we changing? Why are we not changing the, the funding practices? So that, I think it's it's happening maybe slowly and maybe slowly, the, the, yeah. the, the change, uh, the pace will kind of accelerate here uh, as more and more people like you are coming on podcasts like this. And hopefully people <laughs> are, you know, taking it to heart and saying, look, this isn't like a nice thing. You know, this is yeah. a, a, a fundamental thing to say, if you want to see this change in the world, this is what it means. You know? Right. If you don't want that to happen quickly or you don't want it to happen well, then great. Keep doing what you're doing. You know? Exactly. Or, that or, kind of thing. Get out of this,
2: get out of this business. Stop being a foundation. Stop, the, you know, do something else, you know? So
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it's exactly, It was funny. I was doing some um, you know, research and kind of going through like the history of the nonprofit space. And what's interesting, a lot of the the first Um, you know, iterations of the nonprofit space in the U S like even one of the concepts then around foundations and assets was like a full spend down within your lifetime. So if you Mm -hmm. have, you know, equity and wealth, great, set up a foundation, get the tax benefit, but then you actually spend it down in your lifetime. So as not to kind of um, perpetuate wealth and to get transferred through families and just have it live on and on, but like put Mm -hmm. the wealth actually into the world. Mm -hmm. And that's like a foundational core thing or giving to your neighbors, just because they're your neighbors, because they're in need and forgetting about tax structures. And what's interesting is you see the arc of kind of philanthropy and where it's coming back to now. You're seeing more and more foundations going to full spend down in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. seeing GoFundMe programs that are not charitable at law, raising millions and millions of dollars outside of the you know nonprofit ecosystem. Right. And so it's just kind of interesting seeing some of these like core things that were foundational to like philanthropy and nonprofits and giving in the early days. And then we're kind of like, coming all the way back around to like, what do we exist to do and how do we get rid of some of these, you know, barriers or structures and people going around it, they're going outside of it, you know, (laughs) it's just interesting to see that kind of, uh, arc. And I think that's when we don't adapt and change quick enough, people find their own ways to do it. Like, great. I don't need to do this through a nonprofit. Uh, I'll just do my own thing, you know? Uh, And part of that's actually really, really cool. And I think this is maybe one of those times and areas as well, where, you know, people will find ways to do this one way or the other, and hopefully they can do it in a, in a good way. Yeah, um, no, definitely. Cool. That's, that's, that's great. Let me ask you a question. We ask this question a lot to to folks, but how do you think we can grow, optimize and improve
2: generosity? Whew. Optimize and improve generosity. Wow. That's a tough one. Yeah, it's a big um, one. You know, maybe it's, you know, just, you know, and 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 I think it happens to agree, but you know maybe just more, uh, you know people being able to see you know positive results, uh, it, it, seeing those stories of the you know the impact, and mm. you know I think even also too, uh, you know understanding and seeing where you know doing something really small can have a big impact. Mm. You know what I mean? I I think that could change people's mind. Because if you just you know you just kind of say give back or you need to do more it's you know and people's mind is like I need to give a lot of money for an impact or right. I need to I need to volunteer for hours and days and weeks at a time right right you know I think being able to show and really highlight where someone is you know doing something really small but it ends up having a big impact right. and, I, and I and I think that could really um, put people in a you know a, a different mindset of when and how to be generous Hmm.
0: yeah like that again it's kind of back to those like small actions you know that kind of stack and grow over time
2: yeah I, i mean i just want to say this real quick because you know i think people even don't realize even things are in their head like their knowledge and literally just taking the time and from a mentoring standpoint right, and having a 10 minute conversation with a young youth or, you know, 20 minute conversation with someone else, like you literally may some, say something to change someone's world.
0: Yeah, that's such a good point, too. Uh, again, it just goes back to these kind of like small actions, right? Small actions, man. You don't know. That's, that's yeah. great. All right. Rapid fire real quick uh, and then I'll let you go. Appreciate you okay. all the time. Uh, what's one of your favorite podcasts to listen to?
2: This is this is I'm I'm embarrassed to say this, but I don't think I have one. I I, I really <laughs> don't. I, I don't flat know. out don't. And I, I feel like it's like the 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 total new generation thing. And you know, <laughs> I talk to other people, and they're like, "We well, listen to this." They name like five or six. Right. Don't even, don't even have a favorite one. Okay. This may uh, be my new favorite one. How about that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I mean, we'll take it. We'll take All it right. for sure. There we go. Uh, favorite band or artist to listen to, especially while working, if that makes a difference.
2: All right, uh, you, you, I, I can't give you just one, so I got to give you like this right. three, four real quick. That's fine. So still uh, still hip-hop to my core. Um, <laughs> Jay-Z is my favorite artist. Mm-hmm. Um, if Biggie was still alive, I wonder would I still be saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, as we sit here on May 14th, um, uh, J. Cole just dropped a new album. Um, I listened to it this morning and I'm going to be playing it all weekend. He's great for me. <laughs> but... Uh, also, my favorite is a young man that passed away last year uh, by the name of Juice World, and mm. huge fan of him. Um, and I'll tell you why, why, why real quick, baby. Uh, a lot of things that he talked about in his record, I really relate to. Mm. Um, he suffered from, you know. Uh, a lot of issues, you know, depression uh was turned to, you know, drug use and, and different things, which ultimately uh, uh led to his death. But mm. as we are here May, which is uh mental health wellness month, mm. um, you know, I think it's very important to touch on that because as someone, you know, me that, you know, at one time suffered from depression, mm. um still to this day suffer from anxiety and, you mm. know, medicine, you know, make sure I'm straight. Uh, mm. You know, I, I I think it's really important to at least you know talk about those things sometime yeah. um, because a lot of times there's a lot of stigma around that, especially in yeah. uh, you know our black community, and mm. it's, it's very important that we treat mental health the same thing, same way that we do uh, physical health. Mm. So those are my artists, and those are you know kind of why right now.
0: So. Yeah, no, that's great. I'm gonna have to check some of those out. Thank you for sharing as well. No, Appreciate no problem. It. Um, what's a trend from 2020 that you want to see continue in 2021?
2: Oh, I want to see continue. Yeah, uh, just just the conversation in America, hmm. uh, and and honestly, it's 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 troubling that you know a lot of crazy things have to happen, <laughs> and you know whether it's yeah the things we talked about the the crazy political year that we have. All of these, you know, different things is really sparking a lot of conversation. Mm-hmm. It's sparking a lot of movements. You're seeing jobs created. I've never in my life seen so many DNI related jobs. In in like I, you know, just so many things are happening. Uh, you know, and even things that that you know came out of the pandemic is just really, uh, I think, giving people you know sometimes more an appreciation on life. And 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 really uh, looking at things a different way and opening a lot of dialogue on how we can just have a better world. So
0: great. What about something from 2020 that you don't want to continue in
2: 2021? I, I the, 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 the the cliche thing. I, uh, if you probably ask anybody this, is mask. Like I, I hope to <laughs> never ever see a mask as 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 long as as long as I live. <laughs> uh, uh yeah i mean you know i i and then kind of back to 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 what i said you know the the a lot of the divide we saw in the country in in 2020 um man i just i just i just pray that doesn't happen again i pray we don't look up and you know what three and a half years from now, we get to Nick's election cycle and we're, and we're back right Mm. back where we were, what on January 6th or Mm. whatever day. So, uh, that's what I hope not to see again. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: Also, uh, I mean, the masks suck, but I went to Florida recently Uh and masks suck way worse in Florida. Uh, Let me tell you that. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Hot and humid. And that mask on is brutal.
2: It's brutal. And then definitely when you start to realize like, uh, uh, you know, the material of the mask makes a difference <laughs> yeah. in those things. Like yeah, I had to yeah, ditch yeah. some of those cloth ones and go back to just a little regular medical one. So, yeah. yeah.
0: I had this like cool, like rubber foam one, or I thought it was cool and then it was just trapped. heat. it was so <laughs> bad. It was so bad. All right. Last one. What's a, what's an organization or nonprofit that you kind of support and admire that you want people to know about?
2: That is really tough. Cause I work with so many, yeah, and if anybody hears your this, favorite they would, kid, yeah, they will be like, Oh, why, why you didn't mention me? <laughs> uh, but I'm gonna name one. Uh, and it's not, and not, not like well-known, but it's, you know, within here in the city, of Atlanta, it's called the Russell innovation center for entrepreneurs. And, mm. uh, the reason is, is, you know, located on the West side of Atlanta, uh, you know, an area, uh, you know, definitely, uh, High minority population and definitely, a you know, an area where uh, there's so much promise uh, in terms of, you know, it's where, you know, the HBCUs are located and various things. And this is this innovation center um, that's made of stakeholders. Um, and, you know, all these stakeholders are, you know, these young, brilliant entrepreneurs who are feeding off of each other um, and just a real center of so much innovation. And if you ever hear the CEO, Jay Bailey speak about it, uh, you know, he's really doing this in the way that, you know, it extends out into the community and these, you know, entrepreneurs are staying in the community. Mm-hmm. You following it out? Mm-hmm. You know, so much of, if you kind of think of what's kind of ingrained at a young age is, you know go to school go to college and then go off somewhere right, right. you know you, you kind of leave that home for a better life somewhere uh-huh. um you know and, but think about all the people that you leave behind right. and when you take all of your your knowledge and your brilliance and you take it somewhere else where do you leave that community you know, where your roots were grown. Right. right. So uh, he's working on something in, in that massive center over there where he's trying to, you know, build up hmm. this, this real ecosystem in Atlanta and really, you know, keep it there in the community. And, and I just, I just, I just admire that so much.
0: Yeah, no, very cool. Thank you for, for sharing there too. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's it. I've taken up plenty of your time. Where can people find out more about you and all the the amazing things that you're up to?
2: Uh social media, my social media, IG, Twitter, talk to Darrell, T A L K T O D A R R E L L, and uh, also on LinkedIn. I, uh, you know, try to try to get real engaging on there and kind of, you know, uh, definitely highlight a lot of the organizations that's uh, doing great work and some of the stuff that we're doing at Microsoft. So either one of those.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks again, durrell for coming on, and uh,
2: keep up the great work. Uh thanks a lot, Brady. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Generosity Freak Show, brought to you by our friends at Virtuous, the only responsive fundraising platform designed to help nonprofit teams build better donor relationships with all of their donors. Be sure to subscribe to all future episodes at GenerosityFreakShow.com or search the Generosity Freak Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, other platforms that start with S, or wherever you get your pods. Now, the Generosity Freak Show is a production of Next After, where we combine the perpetual learning of a fundraising research lab, the practical application of a digital-first agency, and the rigorous instruction of a training institute to decode what works in fundraising and make it accessible to as many organizations as possible. You can learn more about the work that we do and get free, evidence-based fundraising resources at nextafter.com. Now, this show would not be possible without a few folks, including our mixologist, Jacob Hill, producers, Riley Landenberger and Nathan Hill, and the chief visionary behind it all, Tim Kachuriak. So thank you so much again for listening. And no matter where you are or what you're doing right now, I hope you're having a great day.